0: Hi, I'm Alan Altman, and I'm Dave Joscow, and this is Billy Joel A to Z.
1: Now we take our time so nonchalant and spend our nights so. Bon- Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Billy Joel A to Z, when we discuss today the song I've Loved These Days. I've Loved These Days is the seventh track off Billy's fourth studio and most underrated album, according to fans, Turnstiles. I've Loved These Days is also the last of the 11 songs Billy wanted to show off on the 1981 live album Songs from the Attic. I, I think I, I still got it wrong. <laughs> songs, toys, toys that appear in the attic. Songs,
0: <laughs> songs in the attic. What is it? Uh, bikes in the basement. No, come on. It's about the Alamo. What am I getting wrong? Songs in the attic. Oh my god.
1: Just the way we was, right, folks? All right. <laughs> anyway, it's also on songs from in the attic, <laughs> which was recorded on July sixteenth, nineteen eighty. At the horizon or what is now known as the all-state arena in chicago illinois it also appears on the 2000 years the millennium concert album so he seems to i guess like this song i guess we'll find out when ilan re- reveals how many times he plays it live let's go to the rankings christopher Bonanos in his 2015 new york magazine article out of 121 songs where do you think crazy christopher Bonanos? <laughs> Does place I've loved these days.
0: Well, I think this is one of those hidden gems. I'm trying to think how high Chris could go on this song. I'm not going to go crazy here. I'm going to say 21.
1: Well, you're getting to know his pattern again. <laughs> you're back since uh, you totally messed up the other day. <laughs> uh,
0: 28. All right. It's not so bad. I was, I was pretty close. Here's what he says.
1: One of the better songs on this album. And I'm surprised it hasn't become more of a standard bring it out at your high school reunion and watch the couple start to slow dance. That's said. <laughs> very funny thing. Glenn Gamboa, however, rates it at you ready for this? No, he rates it at 60 and that's one below one below. All you want to do is dance.
0: You know what? Right. When you said one below, I was going to say, I bet you're going to say all you want to do is dance. Somehow. Yeah. I just knew that's what was going to be the song that you were going to
1: put there yeah exactly that's crazy and the fans or whatever, whoever these people are rank it at 41. when I get it from by the way the ranking of the the fans it's this thing online where people voted fans voted and they had like a contest or something and it seems legitimate but they rank it at 41 which is mm, I, I might put it lower I'm not sure yet I don't dislike it it is not my favorite Billy joel song. I don't like the way it starts, builds, and then stops again, although he does that on many songs. I would like it to just keep building, but that's not something you can do anyway. I want to say I've heard it before, (laughs) but I'm not positive. Come on. I don't know, Alon. If I have heard it before, I definitely haven't heard it in 30 years. I didn't know what it was when I saw it. I didn't know what album it was when I said, oh, I've loved these days. This must be from Cold Spring Harbor because I don't recognize it. And of course, it is on turnstiles. How do you feel about the song?
0: I actually think it's a real masterpiece. I think this is a great song. Um, I'm really not sure where I would rank this song. Just listening to it a lot in leading up to this episode. I was like, wow, this really is great. I mean, it has so much feeling. I love the way it builds. I don't feel like how you know, you're saying that it builds and then gets let down again um and then builds up again. I for me it it works really well in this song. Other songs obviously I think it doesn't work as well. Like in Innocent Man, we don't like the way that song no has that kind of pattern. But in this one I like it a lot. I love the, the instrumentation. I think is great. It's got that whatever that is, a clarinet solo oh, I suppose. god. That was Which I know that's very 70s, oh, it works in this song. In fact, man. I have
1: written down And how about that extremely lame clarinet by Richie Cannata? Oh, my God. (laughs) That was my worst part of the song.
0: And maybe the highlight of the song is the drumming. It's like all snare drum and cymbal crashes, like so many cymbal crashes. I bet Liberty loved doing this song because he really, I think, was a featured player in this one.
1: I did very much enjoy the drumming, but that clarinet thing was one of the worst ballads I've ever seen. Now, the live version on songs... From the attic
0: <laughs> songs now still wrong.
1: The the live song from just the way we was is uh, much better. I like it a little better because it is a little bit more power ballady uh, in its drumming, which I do like. But I'm sorry, that clarinet just uh, it's almost like uh, I don't want to be alone where it the you know, where I just did that opening ruins the song for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I understand that. And I, I guess the clarinet does kind of date the song because it's the kind of thing that would be on a song in the 70s, but That's not a good some way other time. It. Yeah. But what would have really dated the song is if he had gone with the original title, These Rhinestone Days. Yeah, well, really is the mid-70s.
1: <laughs> well, I can tell you exactly why he didn't do that. So These Rhinestone Days is a demo that is off the My Lives compilation. And I will tell you exactly why he changed the title. I mean, there's many things. The the one good thing about, and I'll just go on a little tangent here, is that the one good thing about this, there's many good things. I know I can understand why people would really, really like this song. It's very clear he likes this song because there's a performance of him playing it at New Year's Eve, which is the perfect time to play this song in 2018 at Nassau Coliseum. So it's New Year's Eve. He's on his home base, and he seems very emotional when playing it, because maybe, as we know, this song represents, what the entire album of Turnstiles represents, his leaving LA, which every song is based on, and coming back to New York. And as he has said, I knew I was cha- I'm making the move. I had no idea where this, you know, that I was going to go to this other stratosphere. But this album is that transition. It's almost being the last song on uh, Toys in the Attic uh, (laughs) really says it like, um, I don't know. You know, it's like, wow, I I have it's not the last song on Turnstiles, right? No, it's the uh, the second to last song. Right, right. And it's sandwiched in between Angry Young Man and, and Miami 2017, which is a little odd. It feels like it should be a last song, but it really does. It is a transitional song. For this particular artist, it's kind of perfect just before he hits the stranger and what he would become. So I think if he's playing it on New Year's Eve at home, maybe he's at that moment in the moment. And he's saying, wow, when I wrote this, I was like, I wonder if things will work out when I worked in New Year's. So I think if he gets in his own head when he's playing this, because once in a blue moon as a comic, you would know. Once in a blue moon, if you're doing a great performance and you get in your own head, it's good and bad. It's fun to acknowledge that you're having this moment, but it can also mess you up. It can start, you can start tearing. You can start getting too emotional. It'll throw you off. It's happened to me before when I know something big is happening. So if he ends up reflecting, as it looks like he does in this video, uh, I can see he's very emotional about this song. This song really means something for him in his entire existence.
0: Yeah, and there's also a video of him from the Millennium concert, which is 1999 at MSG New Year's Eve. Again, doing a New Year's Eve show with this song, and at the end of it's a good performance. At the end of it, he also just looks very content and happy. It's something that's very notable. He finishes the song and he actually like smiles at the other musicians, like he's really into this song. And he has there's a recording also from I think 77. Nassau Coliseum so he has played it a lot I guess at Nassau Coliseum so maybe it always does feel like to him uh, this like coming home song and I'm sure unlike many other songs he does as he sings these lyrics it probably does bring him back to how he was feeling at that time because it must be so poignant for him
1: there has to be a point when somebody's come to his level at this point even even uh, although he's never You know, he's got to feel the love every once in a while when the garden is completely sold out every month. And there just has to be a point, especially. I mean, this is a perfect New Year's Eve song. I mean, absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah, it's got mentions like champagne and excess and all. It's it's uh, and also the transition of New Year's Eve going from one year to the other. So it's got all these hallmarks of the holiday.
1: Yeah, and it's so funny. I mean, this guy loves talking about champagne and cocaine. He just can't get enough of talking about those two things. In so many multiple songs, you know.
0: This one was about the end of his decadent LA lifestyle. So it was him saying goodbye to drinking wine and doing cocaine. And he never, ever did cocaine or drank wine ever again after this song, The End. Are you sure? Yep. Oh, this you're was kidding. it. He went oh, fully sober. Fun. 1976. <laughs> he said, I'm going on the straight and you narrow. You got me. You got me. On I got to change <laughs> my life around. I got to.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it is great lyrics we drown our doubts in dry champagne and soothe our souls with fine cocaine I don't know why I even care we get so high and get nowhere we'll have to change our jaded ways but I've loved these days very poignant outstanding lyrics by Billy Joel
0: right and as he's saying those it's it's building and the military drums are building up the intensity as he's saying those lyrics it just uh, I think really my well. favorite
1: part is when he's playing at Carnegie Hall, and of course, the mention of cocaine and the crowd goes crazy.
0: We drown our doubts in dry champagne and soothe our souls with fine cocaine.
1: I don't know why I even care. We'll get some- Woo, yeah. Just like uh, the smoke your pot or my favorite where I go crazy, the masturbation line. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like turning around like, oh, oh right, right. We're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, let me go back to the rhinestone. And here's the reason he could not call it these rhinestone days, because he might have stayed with the title. But in 1976, you probably know that Glenn Campbell wrote rhinestone cowboy. Mm. And it was a huge hit. You know, you're too young to know how big it was, like really a, a country song being that huge, you know, that we were singing it in New York City and New Jersey, <laughs> you know, it was very popular and it was so popular. I'll never forget this, that in 1970, in March of 1976, when remember, he's recording this album at that time, Johnny Carson is nonstop talking about the song and he's building up to this bit he's planning on doing about Rhinestone Cowboy, and it's this legendary Carson bit because it's awful and he gets in a Rhinestone Cowboy suit and he's on this jackass, the, the, like an actual donkey, <laughs> uh-huh. and he comes out in the studio and he sings. It's the weirdest thing. You can find that on YouTube. He sings the entire song, but in this character the character that they do on the Simpsons all the time where you like, oh, you know Like, like the, <laughs> the the character he does For years, like I, I, I can't do the voice But he does the entire song In this voice So it's technically supposed To be a quote parody But he's sitting there like really Singing it and he's like weirdly Into it and it's it's Horrible Like a rhinestone cowboy. Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo, a rhinestone cowboy. (laughs) So if Billy Joel is indeed watching it, as everybody did back then, he would be like, I got to change the title of this quickly.
0: That makes total sense. I feel like you invented this theory, but I 100 percent buy into it.
1: Well, the timeline does work out. I did invent the theory, but the timeline works out, Uh, you know, in the sense of also there is a hit song about rhinestones already. Meanwhile, he could have also said, let's get on this, (laughs) you know, and, (laughs) you know, I mean, he wasn't the stranger Billy Joel yet. Why not? Like, if rhinestone cowboy. What the hell? You know? And he's done Billy the Kid, and he's a cowboy. I mean, it does it, it does work out. But I I believe that the Carson thing told him no.
0: Yeah, it would have been a whole new genre of music, like the instead of disco, they would have just called it rhinestone music, and it would have been like every artist is doing a rhinestone song. Did you ever have a rhinestone gun? <laughs> what is that? Like to put rhinestones on your jacket and stuff. Oh no, no, I'm I'm um,
1: heterosexual. I'm sorry.
0: Oh okay, my bad. <laughs> I, I I just assumed you weren't.
1: No, I know. Believe me, if I had known those existed back then, I sure I would have enjoyed that very much. I'm sure my it, it sister would have been did. like Disco
0: Stew. <laughs> Disco Stew. <laughs> Remember that? Marge like, who's Disco Stew? And Homer's like, I was trying to write Disco Stud, but I ran out of space. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about when you were mentioning earlier how, like, as a comic, sometimes like you you're in a big moment and you you kind of take it in, sort of the way Billy Joel was doing when he was uh, singing this song. I've had a couple moments like that, which that reminded me of, like. One time I was at this theater opening for Dennis Miller and it was like a 2000 seat theater. And like, you come out there and you're just like, holy crap. But you got to remember your jokes. You can't just like get out of your head too much. And then also when I did the the cellar for the first time on your show, I have this one joke where I turn around to I'm acting out something. And when you turn around, you actually see the wall and that sign that says comedy Cellar, And so it's like right there in front of you. You're like, holy crap. This isn't just like some other shows. is like a big deal. Yeah. It, it is hard to, to stay in the zone.
1: Alon, that is exactly what I was talking about. In fact, I was going to mention it would be like you opening for Dennis Miller that time. I was going to actually say that (laughs) I didn't even think about the Comedy Cellar. Actually, for me that night, I was so proud of you. I felt, you know, I think I was crying because I was happy for you because was a packed crowd and you were killing. And I know how exciting it is to be on at the Comedy Cellar. This is what we're like. Sometimes when I watch American Idol, which, you know, is just awful. But if the parents are in the audience, I, I start to tear up. Because that's that's when you start to go, you know. If you know your parents in the your parents are in the audience, I mean, that is pretty exciting because you know they have to be proud, you know, that you yeah. built up to this thing. So that's part of it too. It's funny, Billy Joel never talks about his parents very much. Now that I think about it,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, his dad had left early in his life and went back to Europe and started a new family, and so uh, they did reconcile later in life. But he, I'm sure he had a lot of resentments. He doesn't talk about his mother either thing. very much. Well, she, he wrote a song about her. Oh, is that the it's, Rosalinda's eyes? Is that her? No, it's called Christy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you got me again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Christy Lee, Christy Lee. <laughs> she was my mom.
1: <laughs> oh, Elon, uh tell me, so let's, uh, how many times has he played this live? Does, it seems, I mean, if you're going to put it on songs so in the attic, <laughs> if you're going to put it on that album, he clearly was like, I want people to hear this song. It's the last song off the album. How many times does he play it live?
0: Right. But before I say how many times he played it live, that is a good point. By putting it at the end of Songs in the Attic, it shows how important this song was to him and how much he likes it. And I think the only reason it wasn't at the end of Turnstiles is because then he writes Miami 2017, which is such an epic. But like any other time, this would be like the perfect ending song. So at least on Songs in the Attic, he did put it where it belongs. He has played this song 55, uh, 54 times. It's the 55th most played song. So he's played it a bunch, but since 1981. So in the last 40 years, he's only played it 10 times. But
1: mm. well, maybe, you know, maybe it's just too powerful for him. So maybe he just saves it at this point for New Year's Eve.
0: Yeah, I was looking at it like, does it always pop up on December 31st? He's done that a, a three or four times.
1: I bet that's something that he's making it a consistent thing at this point.
0: I hope so. I would definitely try to go to a New Year's Eve show of his just to hear this live. That would be awesome.
1: I've actually gone to a New Year's Eve show. Billy Joel's fantastic.
0: Does he play in like through midnight? Does it start yeah, late?
1: Yeah. No, that's the best part. Yeah. The concert starts around 10, 30, and he totally celebrates midnight, and then you get, you know, all the hits.
0: Do they hand out champagne to everyone in Madison Square Garden?
1: No, no. Um, And I don't know where I was when I I don't think it was the garden where I saw it. It might have been in Boston or something. But he does all Lang Syne. And then he just, you know, know, something like, I mean, it's yeah, it's a fun, you know, you know, it's going to be a good time. Billy Joel, New Year's Eve.
0: There's no way to lose. He gets it. (laughs) He knows what to do. Yeah, I'd much rather see like a Billy Joel New Year's Eve than like a Billy Joel Valentine's Day show. Where he's doing the slow ballad. He's going to do that
1: uh, all my life. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No thanks.
0: Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? I got an interesting one for you. Billy Joel
1: and a very famous actor had very big years in 1976, 1977 that made their careers and both were known for being a little punkish in 1984 billy had a huge year sporting a leather jacket on the cover of his new album in a sense you might say keeping the faith but this other legend went a completely different way and donned a rhinestone jacket instead of a leather and it single-handedly ruined his career who is
0: it john travolta no okay second guess henry winkler no no Oh, I really thought when you mentioned leather jacket, you're going with the Fonz.
1: No, it's in that genre, though.
0: All right. So someone who donned a rhinestone jacket ruined his career. Big TV star. Nope, I didn't say TV. Okay, but in that genre of tough guy. And he was
1: huge. You're not looking it up, are you? No. I see you
0: looking at your screen. Rhinestone actor
1: (laughs) ruined career. 76. He was the biggest star. For many Burt, years,
0: wait, Burt Reynolds. No, nope. okay, I need another hint. What was he in? Give me a.
1: Well, I can't tell you what he was in, but he—that'll well, give it away too. A lot of people in the '70s compared him to Billy Joel. Not compared, but maybe a little looks-wise. Uh-oh, I might have given it
0: away. <laughs> no, looks-wise. <laughs> Who looks like Billy Joel? And he's a musician. No, I didn't say that either. OK, I just give up. I can't do it.
1: It's Sylvester Stallone. Oh, uh, OK, you were all right there. You hit the, the Fonz, which is similar in many ways. And uh, who was the first one you said? Oh, John Travolta. So you were right in the right genre. But yeah, Sylvester Stallone was in the movie Rhinestone Cowboy with Dolly Parton, and it ruined him in 1984.
0: OK, but he came right back. I mean, then he had Rambo no, he didn't and, and
1: really come right back things like that. No, he had difficulty, a lot of difficulty. <laughs> you know, this is after. Rockies, all the Rockies and the Rambos, the good Rambos, He he had a lot of tough time. And it's uh, said that Schwarzenegger told him he should do the movie because Schwarzenegger was very competitive about it. And and they've talked about it on the Tonight Show. He goes, yeah, thanks a lot for ruining my career, Jericho. He goes,
0: I want to win, always. (laughs) (laughs) Do the movie. It will be really good for your career.
1: Yeah, so when Schwarzenegger was doing Terminator, Sylvester Stallone thought he should be doing comedies. And he's in this uh, rhinestone cowboy outfit stay out of my bedroom baby if you can't take the heat if you want it come on and get it baby satisfaction guarantee
0: wow and think about that that's a good history
1: think about that they made a movie in 1984 of a song from 1976 i mean this was a very popular song
0: the reason I know Rhinestone Cowboy, there was a movie called High School High, which was a parody of like those high school uh, with John teen movies yeah. yeah, with John Lovitz yeah. in the late 90s. And there's one point where they play like Rhinestone Cowboy, but then the DJ like gives it like a little and makes it like a rap version. Oh, and it was in. I never saw the movie, but it was in the trailer and we all thought it was hilarious. We had no idea what song it was, but it just sounded so corny. I have a record I want you to play. Don't you think the kids would
1: enjoy a nice song with a melody?
0: What you got, Holmes?
1: It is a rare, one-of-a-kind original pressing.
0: Oh, yeah?
1: All right, man, I'm going to put it on there for you, all right? Thanks. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Sometimes when you're young, the worst movies seem hilarious. <laughs> then you realize when you're older. I can't believe I liked this. Alon, what is your trivia question for me?
0: All right, this one's really out of left field. I've Loved These Days is on the Turnstiles album. As you know, Billy Joel originally recorded this album at Caribou Ranch Studio with Elton John's band before deciding that he'd wanted to do it with his own band, and he fired his producer. And, and I actually don't know whether
1: story. I did know that, but go on.
0: Okay, so this place where he recorded it originally, Caribou Ranch, is notable for many things, but one thing that's interesting is that it contained a bed owned by a former U.S. president, what former U.S. president who served two non-consecutive terms had a bed at the Caribou Ranch?
1: Grover Cleveland.
0: That's correct.
1: <laughs> Once you said the two non-consecutive terms, I figured it out.
0: <laughs> I was going to say what president who shared a name with a Sesame Street character? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have thrown me off. I uh, Everybody knows who served two. I mean, that's, you know, the most impressive thing of all time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool trivia. I, I There's no other way you obviously could have guessed what president if I just said it's a former president's bed. Who is it?
1: All right, Elon. I can't even imagine that you have a parody for this song.
0: I mean, this is tough. Well, it was tough. My original thought was to go with These Happy Days. Oh, I would have loved about- that
1: one. Damn it. <laughs> oh, that would have made me so happy. What's the matter with you?
0: It was just too hard. It was just really, really
1: and hard. Mr. C was, yeah, was there
0: as well. <laughs> One of the couplets was going to be: uh, "We get advice from Tom Bosley, <laughs> who you might know as Mr. C." Oh my
1: god, that would have been my best parody, my favorite parody of all time of yours.
0: <laughs> what was hard about it was I wanted to say we spend our nights at Arnold's, but it's hard to find a rhyme for Arnold's. Oh, so I just gave you up. You suck.
1: On that. But yeah, I would, I would right. have just
0: mentioned all the characters. I mean, well, we and I
1: would have been completely fine with that since I seem to watch it every night on me TV at 630. Now, uh, what Wait, did let me you give I you know one more? How... You like this
0: one, too. OK, it was going to be uh, we hit our elbow on the jukebox <laughs> and Tuscadero was such a fox. <laughs> Damn it. Alon. Well, yeah, yeah now you've already heard the best parts of that one. So it oh, have to be. the rest of it would have sucked. It would, all, it would have all been about Ralph Mouth.
1: I would have been OK with that, too. all right so what do you what do you have what did you come up with
0: so what we're doing instead is i love big steaks
1: okay (laughs) i mean i do (laughs) but uh, it seems like a downer from happy dude
0: a petite filet mignon for you and for myself the steak for two spinach or fries i do not care just cook my meat, medium rare. Don't fill up on bread, for God's sakes. I love big steaks. Hey, now.
1: Well, <laughs> <Correctamundo>. <laughs> Uh You know, I do like hearing about food, and I like the food parodies, so it just wasn't as fun is the happy days when i feel you know
0: i did i did the worst mistake which is to mention the idea you didn't choose
1: yeah i guess because then people always
0: want that other thing
1: i yeah kind of want it now still
0: so (laughs) i want to eat a big steak right now. now i want a big steak as well yes well good work alan thank you dave Well, folks, that was I've Loved These Days. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Would you have preferred the Happy Days parody? Have you seen the movie Rhinestone Cowboy? Do you believe Dave's theory on why the song title was changed? And what do you think of that clarinet solo? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. These
1: happy days are yours and mine. Happy days. And then begin. We'll drink a toast.